You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another week, another no-hitter. Let's discuss on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. Welcome into FBT in 5 on Thursday, August 10th. I am Frank Sample, joined by Chris Towers. And let's talk about Michael Lorenzen, who tossed the 14th no-hitter in Philly's history. He did walk four. He had five strikeouts in this game through a career-high 124 pitches. And Chris, we talked about this on the Full Length Podcast. Every year, it feels like there's a couple of pitchers that outperform their peripheral numbers, their expected ERAs for the entire season. Last year, it was Martin Perez. It kind of feels like this year, it's going to be Michael Lorenzen. Your thoughts on him and the no-hitter? Yeah, I mean, the problem with that, right, is uh, I try to do my rankings and my analysis of players trying to define their talent level and project from that. And the problem is some guys just outperform their talent level and, and talent level fluctuates. And, and you know, it, it's not a perfect science by any means. Some guys managed to do it for a full season. But also a month and a half ago, a lot of people were arguing Bryce Elder was going to be one of those guys who outperformed his talent level for the full season. And he's got like a seven ERA over the last month and a half. So I amazing accomplishment for, for Michael Lorenzen. And he may continue to be a pretty useful pitcher, especially against good matchups. He's been really, really good against good matchups. He's had a lot of them this season, uh, if you look at the game logs. So I think he'll continue to be useful for fantasy. I I think if you set the over-under at four for his ERA the rest of the way, I'd probably take the over. It wouldn't be a, a, a huge amount over, but I think like a 4-1 ERA the rest of the way makes sense. So not someone I view as a must-start guy. And there's not much actionable either because he's 79% mm-hmm. rostered on CBS. He's 74% rostered on Yahoo. And part of the problem is he just threw 124 pitches. Yeah. He's already above, I believe, his career high in innings pitch for the season. He's certainly above last year's total. Yeah. So it's like it might be a situation where you can't really use him next week. I would expect him to throw like 85 pitches next week. Yeah. So that that's the concern there. Next week at the Blue Jays for Lorenzen, uh, an offense that has scuffled recently. I, look, I think there's probably worse pitchers you can play than Lorenzen, but uh, probably not a must start coming off this yeah. no hitter. Some waiver wire pitchers who performed well on Wednesday. Emerson Hancock made his Mariners debut, his uh, first career start. Five innings, one run, three strikeouts with 11 swinging strikes there. He's 18% rostered. Looks like he's at the Royals next week. Graham Ashcraft continues to pitch well over his last eight starts, a 194 ERA and a 106 whip. Nick Pavetta also continues to pitch well since the start of July, a 265 ERA, a .91 whip, well over a strikeout per inning during that time. And Mike Clevenger turned in his first quality start since May 17th. Chris, how are you ranking this group? Emerson Hancock, Ashcraft, 
Nick Pavetta and Mike Clevenger. I still don't really understand how Graham Ashcraft continues to pitch well. This is actually one of the few starts he's made where it really does look like he, you know, could have been a very good pitcher if he sustained this, you know, strikeout per inning, a bunch of swings and misses. During his last eight starts where he, I believe he has eight straight quality starts, 36 strikeouts in 51 innings. He's not getting a, a ton of weak contact. So I, I'm still pretty skeptical. I, I think I'd probably go Pavetta at the top, especially if you told me he was going to keep starting like he did today because, you know, in your head-to-head points, especially you want that quality start bonus. So I think I'd put him at the top. I'm fine going Ashcraft ahead of Hancock because I don't think Hancock has a ton of upside himself. Uh, and Clevenger's a pretty distant fourth. All right, let's wrap up talking about Ellie De La Cruz, everyone's favorite player who has struggled big time in the second half, batting 182 with five home runs. That's pretty good, but only one steal, three caught stealing, 41% strikeout right here in the second half. Chris, what do you make of these recent struggles? And uh, where do you kind of see the plate discipline going from here when it comes to Ellie De La Cruz? Well, he's at like a 43% strikeout rate or something over the last 20 games or whatever the, the number is. It'll be lower than that moving forward, but it's going to be very, very high. Uh, he's got a lot of swing and miss. His swing decisions right now aren't great. He's developing. He's young. He's super talented, but also super raw. This was, I'm not saying we should have expected a stretch exactly this bad because 41% strikeout rates don't happen very often in Major League Baseball, but this was always within his range of outcomes. And when you're talking about a young player, you know, making their major league debut, what's always fun about them is the high end of their range of outcomes isn't quite what people are are expecting, right? Like you're not drafting Jordan Walker at the start of the season for his best case scenario. You're you're factoring in some of the downside. But there's also significant downside. The thing with young players, especially a guy with Ellie De La Cruz's swing and miss issues, is it's just a high volatility profile. There will be really, really good stretches. There will be really, really bad stretches. And we should have expected some of these bad stretches to be particularly ugly given the skill set. But look, he's not a first rounder in 2024. I mean, he could play his way into it. I'm not going to write it off. But right now, I think you're thinking more like a third or fourth rounder. And even that is very, very risky as we're seeing. But you look at the overall numbers and it's a, 27 homer, 45 to 50 stolen base pace. That's the upside you're paying for. Yeah, and if he continues to improve, then you know maybe yeah. upside for even better than that. It's it's mm-hmm. crazy to imagine, but uh, that's the the skill level that we're talking about here with Ellie De La Cruz. For more extensive fantasy baseball coverage, listen to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Odyssey app, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to Fantasy Baseball Today in Five, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Bye bye. 